This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast. I'm Matt Lombardo, Fansided's national NFL insider. Great to have you here. Big show coming up. Former Buffalo Bills, Las Vegas Raider, and Washington football team defensive end Lorenzo Alexander will check in to get his thoughts on the Buffalo Bills, what's really been a topsy-turvy, kind of wild AFC playoff race so far where there don't seem to be any real complete teams. There doesn't seem to be a runaway favorite in the AFC, but we'll get Lorenzo Alexander's thoughts on that and a whole lot more. Also want to get into the other side of the playoff bracket where conversely, I think there might be three or four teams where you can really say this team, this group, has a legitimate chance of going to a Super Bowl based on what we've seen so far and the opportunities that lie ahead and what sets those teams apart from the rest of the pack. And I think the gap between those four and the rest of the NFC is pretty wide. But before we get into all of that more, just a little bit of housekeeping as always. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to Stacking the Box in the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube, all of your favorite podcast platforms. You really get two great NFL podcasts for the price of none. You get Mark Carmen and Matt Verderam every Tuesday and the Matt Lombardo Show every Friday. And if you really enjoy the podcast, if you've already subscribed and you've been here for a while, please go ahead and leave a five-star review for Stacking the Box and mention the Matt Lombardo Show. Let me know what you like about the podcast, what you don't, a guest or two you might want to hear from, and I'll go try to get them on because those reviews, those five-star reviews, they really help grow the podcast and I really appreciate them as well. I'll read the best ones on the pod next week. But let's get right into it on the NFC side. The more that you watch this NFL season, the more it's becoming clear There really are only four teams, in my opinion, in the NFC that can make a legitimate case that they can make a legitimate Super Bowl run this year. They don't necessarily have the bad loss, so they only have one and they bounced back from it. They seem to be trending in the right direction. And those teams, in pretty much the order that I think they have the best chance of making it to L.A. for the Super Bowl in February, are the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and to a certain lesser extent, the Arizona Cardinals. And we'll get to them in a little bit. But let's just start with Dallas, because you look at what happened on Sunday afternoon. It was pretty obvious that when they returned one week after getting boat raced out of their own building, falling behind 30 to nothing to the Denver Broncos, losing 30 to 17 in a game that really wasn't all that competitive, suffering their worst loss of the year, it was pretty obvious this team wanted to make a statement, right? They wanted to come out and and show the world, show the rest of the NFL that they're a team to be taken seriously. And I think they did that. They knocked around Matt Ryan, who had been playing some of the best football of his career. It was really a decisive victory for the Cowboys. And, and really, most importantly... Winning 43-3, to I think they answered a lot of questions. Now, it's only the Atlanta Falcons. I think they're kind of hanging around the fringes of the playoff conversation, if even on that level. But you look at what Micah Parsons did, picking up another sack, flying around the football, Dak Prescott throwing two touchdowns, CeeDee Lamb really breaking out. The Cowboys might be the most complete team in the NFL, and I think we're going to find out a lot more about the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday night in Arrowhead 
where they take on Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs, who aren't just playing the best football of their season, but they might be beginning to take a lead on the rest of the AFC when you start talking about the team to beat because they're battle-tested, they have the talent on both sides of the football, they have arguably the greatest quarterback walk on the planet, but this is a test for Kansas City. This is a Cowboys defense that enters 15th overall in total defense. They're 10th in scoring defense. They're the number one rated offense in the league, and I know Kansas City has played better. I know they've made some big changes, not the least of which is sliding Chris Jones back inside and you know making a big change at cornerback. But I think this Dallas Cowboys team is firing on all cylinders. I think they've had their bad loss. They bounced back from it, and they seem really motivated on showing the rest of the league that they're the team that's capable of making a run. We're going to find out a lot about the Cowboys and the Chiefs on Sunday night, but the team that I think the Cowboys are chasing, not only in the standings, but for that mantle of being the team to beat, is now that Aaron Rodgers is back, now that he's healthy, the Green Bay Packers. And I think there's a very real chance that the NFC's Super Bowl bid is going to come down to Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys in Lambeau Field in January against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers because what they did on Sunday afternoon at Lambeau, I think they effectively ended any thought, any notion, any idea that Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks are a factor in this race. Right, Because they went out and they shut them out on defense. They're playing at a really high level. They got Aaron Rodgers back after everything he went through with the COVID vaccination controversy, him you know, basically flouting, flouting the protocols. He comes back, does enough to win the game at home and hold serve. Now for the Packers, it comes down to building on that, right? And this week, they go to Minnesota. It's a Vikings team that they've been kind of up and down, kind of inconsistent, but it's a tough test playing the Minnesota Vikings. It's a big game for them. And you look in the NFC West, everybody talked about how there were going to be two, three teams, maybe the whole division in the conversation as NFC champions. There's been one team that's kind of been hanging around, and that was the Los Angeles Rams. And there's something wrong with the Rams right now. I mean, you look at Matthew Stafford the last two weeks with Les Snead going crazy and trading for Von Miller and signing Odell Beckham Jr. I think he made one too many moves, and that is trading his version, the Rams version of Matthew Stafford, to the Lions for Detroit's version of Matthew Stafford because that offense suddenly looks stuck in the mud. They can't move the football. They go to San Francisco on Monday night and just get dominated defensively There's something wrong with the Rams, and I think that we can not necessarily remove the Rams from the conversation because they still, in my opinion, are the second best team in the NFC West, but the best team right now in that division, a team that I think belongs in the NFC conversation, is the Arizona Cardinals, and I know that they had their bad loss on Sunday, but that was to a Carolina Panthers team where you were without Kyler Murray and you had Cam Newton making his return, Matt Rule all fired up putting in a package of plays for Cam Newton. You had P.J. Walker starting. And to Carolina's credit, they ran the ball really well in that game and they just punched the Cardinals in the mouth at home 34-10. to My concern 
with the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray or not, he obviously didn't play last week. My concern is we've now seen a year with Kyler Murray and head coach Cliff Kingsbury where they kind of go through this second half swoon where they start off like gangbusters, they they go undefeated or they start 7 and 1 or 6 and 0 or whatever it may be, they encounter a tough loss like they did at home on a Thursday night to the Green Bay Packers. They lose a game that they had no business losing even with the backup quarterback to the Carolina Panthers, and my concern for Arizona is we've seen this before. We now know that they struggle closing. And here's the stretch coming up for Arizona. They go to Seattle, which even though I think the Seahawks are kind of not necessarily dead, but out of the Super Bowl hierarchy, still a tough place to play. You have to go to Chicago in the cold in December with Justin Fields starting to really ascend. You come home and you play the Rams, who are going to have a lot to play for in terms of the division race. And in their minds, if they write the ship over the last two weeks... The NFC playoff picture as far as the possible number one seed goes. You still have a game against the Colts who are playing really well. And you still have to play the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas in week 17. That's a brutal stretch of games. And I don't know that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are going to hold up. And that brings us back to the Dallas Cowboys who, again, they go to... Kansas City this weekend, they still have the benefit of playing the Eagles once, of playing the Giants one more time, of playing the Washington football team, who we haven't even gotten Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I do believe the Buccaneers and Brady and Bruce Arians belong in the conversation because of all of the talent and who's going to bet against Tom Brady this time of year or against Tom Brady in January. But you cannot be considered a legitimate Super Bowl contender, a favorite, and walk into FedEx Field and just get blown out by a team that you have no business even being competitive with. That shouldn't have been a close game. And yet, Washington wins that game 29-19 with Chase Young being lost for the year with a torn ACL in the second half. That can't happen. And they have the Giants on Monday night. And if there's any coach in the league that I trust to get his team pulling in the right direction because they did it a year ago, it's Bruce Arians. If there's any quarterback that I want leading my team in December and in January, it's Tom Brady. But you look at all the talent, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, you look at the backfield with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, you still have Antonio Brown out there. There's a lot of talent on that Buccaneers team, not to mention a defense with the likes of Jason Pierre-Paul and Devin White and all of those playmakers, Levante David, all of them where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be a team that you have to take seriously the rest of the way. But we saw Dallas respond to their bad loss, right? We saw with Aaron Rodgers coming back, we saw the Packers respond to their bad loss on the road in Kansas City against a Chiefs defense that hadn't been able to stop anybody to that point in the year. The Packers responded to their bad loss. We haven't seen what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do off a loss. We saw them on Halloween night on one of the worst throws Tom Brady's made in his career lose a game in New Orleans to the Saints against Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon, a game they had no business losing, that that was your chance to plant the flag and say we're the team to beat in the NFC, let alone in the NFC South. The NFC South is now a race again all of a sudden. Because of what happened, we haven't seen Tampa Bay respond to that adversity because last year, down the stretch in the second half, they didn't have to. 
Now they're going to have to. And I think that is going to be the defining characteristic of these teams in the NFC. Because we'll talk about the AFC later on in this podcast. And the AFC isn't really wide open. I think it's just bad. I think that it's a group of teams that aren't any good. And there aren't any, any real contenders on that side of the bracket. Except for maybe New England, Kansas City, and Buffalo. But they all have significant warts. Significant issues that they have to play through. The NFC is a different bear. And the teams that I think have the best chance of making a run in that side of the bracket have all bounced back from adversity, all survived and responded to their bad loss. The Packers did it. The Cowboys did it. We don't know what Arizona is going to do. And we certainly haven't seen Tampa Bay do it yet either. On the other side, we'll chat with former Buffalo Bills, Raider, and Redskin defensive end slash linebacker Lorenzo Alexander right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stack in the Box podcast feed. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick. But what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees, and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show. And anybody who's watched the NFL over the last couple of weeks, couple of months, the AFC is so wide open. The Buffalo Bills were the team to beat. Now they might not be. Here to shed some clarity on that and give his thoughts, good friend of the program, former Buffalo Bills, Washington football team, and Las Vegas Raider linebacker Lorenzo Alexander joins us. You can follow Lorenzo on Twitter, at OneManGang97. Lorenzo, how you doing, man? Doing good, Matt, man. Just uh, living the dream out here in Phoenix, uh, enjoying retirement and the transition. And it's been good just to kind of sit back second season and just watch football and not have to uh, reap uh, all the hits and bruises on, on Monday mornings. You can get up and play golf in Phoenix on Monday and not worry about how you're going to crawl to the bathroom because you're so sore well, after a game, right? Exactly, exactly. So uh, I'm living my best life right now and it's been a, it's been a true blessing. I love it. And I don't know that the Bills are living their best life over the last couple of weeks. And I really want to, out of the shoot here, get your thoughts on this. What exactly is the identity of that Buffalo Bills team right now? Because Josh Allen looked like the MVP for the first five or six weeks. They lost to the Steelers. They were humming along after that. You lose to the Jaguars, don't score a touchdown. What's their identity right now? Um, You know what? You know, this is an NFL season, a typical season. It, there's not too many teams. You know, you can probably think about, you know, maybe the Patriots, uh, maybe uh, the 2000 Ravens, where you're just going to hum along, right? And you know who you are and you don't face any adversity. And even those teams, to some extent, it might not have showed up in the loss column, but those guys had to face some sort of adversity, whether it was Guys getting injured, guys not playing well, maybe some media drama, somebody says something, whatever it may be. Um, but the great teams, those teams that I kind of just uh, mentioned real briefly, were able to overcome it. And this is just one of those moments in this Buffalo Bills season uh, that they have to overcome. The same thing occurred last season and the seasons prior as far as the evolution of this football team. And so they have to figure out um, how collectively – um, they can continue to become the best version of themselves and put the best product on the field. You know, in regard to that Jacksonville Jaguars game, it was just um, a different individual, right? Each play and then collectively it added up to not scoring touchdowns. And so if you have 
you know, just for example, one different offensive lineman miss a block every single play in a drive, right? That drive is going to be unsuccessful, even though all other, the rest of the 10 guys were executing at a high level. So this is an ultimate team sport. And um, they, in those games where they've lost, you know, whether it was a, a punt block, one guy not doing their job, right? Uh, not being able to run the ball, um, and maybe different guys are not working together collectively. They've they've kind of hit that that steamrolling, and you're not going to be uh, throwing for four or five hundred yards every single game either. Um, teams are making them play left-handed right now, and they have to figure out a way to get better. No, of course. And you mentioned the parity in this league and how it's a normal NFL season. I don't think I can remember. It's always been a week-to-week league, but especially in the AFC, you look at the Ravens losing to Miami. You look at the Steelers. They look like gangbusters holding on against the Bears. They fall flat against the winless Lions, and they get out of there with a tie. The Bills have had their issues. The Chiefs struggled out of the shoot. Now they're, you know, cranking on all cylinders. Can you remember a year where it was just this wide open on either side of the bracket? Um, Honestly, I mean, probably not. But I, I still think it's – I mean, it still comes down to a handful of teams that has a legit chance, right? I think we just – caught in a weird week where all these games were scheduled in the same week and all these teams, whatever, for whatever reason, decided not to play their best football in these last couple of weeks, even out here in Arizona, seeing it with uh, uh, Phoenix and how they, you know, uh, took a lump on the head uh, last week as well. Being Carolina. Yeah. Carolina. And they were playing a backup quarterback as well, even though Kyler and all these guys weren't playing. The, the, the nature of that team is much better than what they showed and getting blown out. Right. So I don't I don't know what that is. Um, it happens. There's lows. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely an extended season this year. Um, but this is still this is like midpoint. So I, I don't know what 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 occurred, you know, uh, across the country that made teams that were elite uh, kind of have uh, off weeks. And you look at the Bills, they're six and three. They're sitting atop the AFC East, a half game up on the Patriots. It's going to go a lot tougher for them from here, though. It's a sneaky, tough game against Carson Wentz and the Colts. They have to go to New Orleans. Still have Belichick and a surging Mac Jones twice. They go to Tampa, got to play Tom Brady. What's the biggest key for them surviving this upcoming stretch? Well, just taking a week at a time. I mean, I know that's a cliche, but that's all you got to do. You can't look at that um, um, in totality because it can feel overwhelming. Man, we got to go Colts, Saints. New Orleans or uh, New England twice, Tampa Bay. I mean, you look at it like that. It's like, man, this is going to be a tough road versus taking it, you know, one week at a time and compartmentalizing these games and, and just going as they come and really just focusing on your current opponent. And that's the, that's really the only way you can do it uh, because the NFL is hard. And if you start looking at how hard it is, that can uh, shift your mind off what's what's important and that's the present. So I, I can see this team doing it. They have the abilities. The defense has been playing lights out. And I know some of it, just like New England's defense, right, is it, it, benefiting of playing Miami and the Jets a couple of times a year. Uh, but these guys are playing really good, sound, fundamental football. And so when you turn the film on, you can see guys in their gaps, um, guys breaking the ball, guys creating turnovers. And when you're playing that type of football, keeping teams out of the end zone, you're going to give your, yourself a, a chance in November, December, when it starts getting closer to the playoffs. The one thing this team has to be able to do, though, consistently is figure out a way to run the football. Um, and so that is has been their Achilles heel. That was it last year. Defensively, it was stopping it. It looks like they've kind of fix that a little bit. So if they can offensively figure out how to get Zach Moss and Devin Singletary going 
or throwing some of those quick passes to create easy, you know, second and sixes versus being in, you know, first and 10 or first and 15 because of a penalty or whatnot. That's going to allow them to stay ahead of the sticks and really apply pressure, control the ball, um, especially as it gets the weather starts to turn up in Buffalo in the Northeast. And I think the Bills have one advantage, and that's their head coach, Sean McDermott. You and I have spoken about Sean McDermott a couple of times and what it's like to play for him. You look around the NFL, and of course, offensive coordinators are getting more opportunities for whatever reason to become head coaches. But you look at some of the best coaches in the league, the Sean McDermott's, the Mike Tomlin's, the Bill Belichick's, they're all defensive minds, defensive geniuses. Why is it, in your opinion, you think that the defensive coaches might not be getting the same opportunities, but the ones that are they see almost immediate success. Well, a couple of things. I think number one, um, it's not as sexy, right, as offense or having this Google and being able to put up, you know, 50 points. And, you know, that's what puts butts in the seats. Um, and then probably the number two, but probably the, the, the main reason is, is that this game is so centered around the quarterback position is that you want to be able to bring in a guy that's able to be that quarterback whisperer, right, that has – this offense or has the mind to mold guys into the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers of the world. And so I think that's why organizations tends to lean that direction, understanding that, but we all know, and this is another cliche that defense wins championships, right? If we can keep that team from scoring those points, if we can have those critical turnovers um, in those crucial times, get, get teams off the field on third down. So our offense can get the ball back, right. And create those uh, additional possessions, that allows our team to, to, to have a higher opportunity to score points and win games. Um, and so, you know, this league is a very copy, copycat league. And so as guys like Sean McDermott continue to have success, we've already seen Mike T and Belichick do their thing. You'll start to see a few more guys pop up um, here trying to figure out how do we stop these guys, right? Um, and I think that'll, you know, be the next shift because we saw the, the Sean McVay, right, and all his staff and, that new young guy, Cliff Kingsbury, right? That trend has kind of played out a little bit now. We'll Maybe we'll see if it, it takes a shift to defensive uh, head coaches. And let's expand away from Buffalo for a second. What the heck is happening in the AFC? Because the Chiefs are surging at the right time. The Ravens lost to Miami last week. The Bengals just completely collapsed. I mean, you look at Cincinnati. They were the one seed two or three weeks ago. Now they're an afterthought. I don't know about you, but it feels like we're barreling towards Patriots-Chiefs again. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been all the talk of national media, too, as far as the Patriots. And, you know, a lot of that is just the way they built their culture, the Patriots way. Um, obviously, Bill Belichick, the defense is playing at a high level and Matt Jones is coming along and uh, managing games at a high level and making plays while doing that. And so you can see it like, man, and we're so used and accustomed to that, that we feel like um, they're destined for. But I still I still think it takes a seasoned veteran at that quarterback spot because the pressure changes, um, not necessarily the game itself, but the amount of pressure you try to put on yourself or is applied by other individuals because it's a playoff game. It's that's hard to deal with and handle as a young guy. So I'm Sounds not like you're leaning Mahomes. Sounds like you're right. leaning yeah. Mahomes and the Chiefs. Well, yeah, that's he's a little different. Mahomes is a generational player. I don't think Mac Jones, I'm not gonna put Mac Jones in the same breath as Pat Mahomes right now. And Pat Mahomes had a year to kind of find his feet, right? He didn't just come out the gate and didn't win it in his first year. So he had time to learn, watch from one of the best, Alex Smith, that doesn't get a lot of credit for what he was able to do, but uh, obviously a great human being, a great quarterback, and you learning from that, it's, it's easy. It, Mac Jones doesn't have that. Um, so I say all that to say I'm still 
obviously I'm biased, but I'm still rocking with the Buffalo Bills because they, they've been tested. They've been through that. They've been there to the AFC. They know what it feels like. Um, they've lost. And so I think with that, um, that knowledge um, and experience, that's what's going to carry you over in those tough times because they, the game doesn't feel bigger than what it is because you experience it. And then when you have hindsight and a, a time to kind of um, go back and just review it in your mind and, and dwell on it a little bit, man, man, okay, I could have done this, this, and this. And so when that time shows up again, when you're in that moment again, you end up making the play or the right decision that allows you to win the game. I know we talked a lot about quarterbacks and a lot about offense. Let's switch to your side of the ball where you made your hay. You know, I watch these young linebackers around the league right now, and Micah Parsons looks like a defensive rookie of the year front runner. But you've got guys like Zaven Collins out there in Arizona where you are. He's tearing it up. Pete Warner, a second-round pick, throwing his weight around in New Orleans. When Lorenzo Alexander sits down and watches football on Sunday, who are the top young linebackers who are jumping off the screen to you? I mean, you name, I mean, Michael Parsons, I think they've done a great job as far as finding his spot, his fit, almost. Um, oh man, it was the, the, we had a, a linebacker in Arizona. I can't think of his name right now, but they were trying to play him like as an outside 4-3 linebacker, but he really was more of a rush end, right? And that is what I see Michael Parsons has been doing since they had all those injuries. They put his hand more in the dirt. He's more just rushing and going forward. And it's, he's so athletic, big and long is that he's dominating guys. And so um, I think he's found his home there. I don't know if he'll ever come back off the ball. He's sure defensive coordinators will be able to use that as maybe a third down package to maybe confuse some people. Similar to some things that I did with uh, Rex Ryan as well as Sean McDermott, um, just to add a, a different dimension to the defense. But I really like what he's been able to do. Um, I, obviously, I get to see Zavin all the time out here. Um, he's a good, strong young man, downhill um, and as he continues to develop, especially his technique and fundamentals, he's been big and more athletic than anybody ever on the field. And now that he's going up against guys that are like a Trent Williams, right? That's 350 and runs 4-7, right? Um, he struggles with hands and getting guys off of him. Um, but I like the the, the fundamental, uh, not fundamentals, the foundation of his athleticism, his heart, the way he plays is all there. So as that develops, you're going to see Zavin, I think, next year, much like Isaiah Simmons was here last year in, out here in the Valley. Um, he struggled a little bit, but this year has really come on strong because he's starting to understand, okay, I have to play a certain way in the NFL that I no longer can play like I did in college and high school. I'm no longer, you know, leaps and bounds better than people. I'm still an elite athlete, but my fundamentals is what's going to make the difference. And so those are the two guys, or I guess three guys that I've watched the most. You know, I'm always going to be a huge fan of Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. They are a little bit older than those guys. They're kind of starting to come to their own and starting setting the thing um, um, as far as uh, the standard. You know, um, the Dariuses of the Col of the Colts is really good. Mark Warner, been, of course, throwing his weight around. Mark Warner, yeah. right. Yeah, it's just it's, there's a lot of great guys around the league, and it's hard to watch them all. But um, those guys, you know um, – I guess Fred Warner, uh, those guys have really, really stood up and stood out to me as I watch football and making plays week in and week out. And I think that you watch the NFL today, pass rush is almost, if not more important than quarterback play. It's, it's you know, what you can do from the pocket and obviously as a pass rusher, shutting those guys down. You know, when you came out of college, out of Cal back in 2005, what did you notice was the biggest difference playing at the college level to the NFL level? And then when you finished up your career, kind of where you see that position going? Man, uh, well, I was a D lineman, so it was much different. I mean, I think the 
the emphasis on hands, um, the way, way the biggest difference was also the attention to detail and the communication um, that occurred from linebacker to, to the front and, and also to the back. Um, and just the speed and the physicality of the game. You know, everybody was consistently good or they wouldn't even have a shot of, of having an opportunity. And so you had to uh, mentally bring your game every single day because guys were now was using this game to provide for their families. That was no longer saying, I'm trying to provide for my name. And they had kids and wives and, right. and people that were dependent on them. And so that mindset um, is a little bit different than just enjoying yourself in college and, and you're on a full ride scholarship and getting an education, right? Um, you have some real responsibility and these are grown men now that are focused. And so those were the things. So the professionalism, uh, the attention to detail, the communication were probably the three biggest um, differences from the, from the college game. Um, and I guess now it's become more of a space game, you know, as you see how the game has evolved um, when I first got in the league, it was still much, you know, the fullback was highly involved, you know, two back eye power counter more of your traditional style run games play action off of that right you didn't have too many four wide receiver sets. Um, you didn't play you played base a significant amount of time on defense now the base set is nickel and base is a change up based on the team that you're playing uh, in that current week and so the game has definitely evolved spread out and so. You know, we went through the evolution of that money linebacker, um, guys that were safeties, but were almost physical enough to play in the box, um, but can match up more so for the space game. Um, and now um, you're trying to find more of a, high, a linebacker that can can run and they can play in the space. Because you play teams like New England or the Tennessee Titans, right, the elite teams that will spread you out, but fundamentally they, they want to run the ball and dominate you up front and you can't necessarily throw a safety. He may be a big safety, but he has a safety mindset. And so you have to find linebackers at heart or maybe defensive end that have shifted back to be able to play that physical play. So it's always kind of like, uh, you know, just chasing, you know, chasing the tail as far as defense, how the offense shifts, you know, okay, now we got to find this new guy, you know, people for a long time were looking for six, four long corners, like Namdi Abdelwam, right? You know, and we see that trend as far as the elite guys. So it's always that certain guy that you can kind of see as the game evolves that defenses and GMs try to identify as we need this type of player in order to be impactful. And when you were at Cal, you were going up against in practice, one of the best quarterbacks to walk through that program, Aaron Rodgers, of course. Was, was there a moment when you guys were on the field together, either in practice or a game where you said, wow, this kid has a, he's a great player. He has a bright future in the NFL. Yeah. I don't know if I could pinpoint one exact moment, but I think it was the consistency in the day-to-day. -day. I mean, we used to do two minute, you know, Aaron gets a lot of love for doing, doing two minute drill. We used to do that every day before practice and to see the way he operated to see some of the plays and throws that he, he would make um, in, in games. And he had a good receivers. I mean, Jeff MacArthur, um, was the leading receiver that year in, in the country. He had Marshawn Lynch, J.J. Arrington. So we had some weapons around him. Um, Chase Lyman, um, John McConan, you know, just to throw out a few names, give my guys some love. Um, but you just be sitting on the sideline as a defense, get guys off the field. There goes, here comes a touchdown. You could just see it, just knowing what they have done all week in practice. And so that consistency that he showed, um, I wasn't, I was more shocked that he went 22 versus one. Right. Um, that draft, probably like a lot of people, but I just knew he was going to be elite. I didn't know he was going to be considered one of the GOATs, but I thought he had the ability uh, to play the game at a high level. And the, and the crazy thing, he's, he's evolved um, immensely since 
college. What do you think um, is the biggest evolution you've seen him make? I think he's become a better, um, well, since college, a, a better uh, passer outside of the pocket. His accuracy there. He really never, they never moved the pocket or he was scrambling and doing some of the things he's able to do with his legs. So his understanding of, of, of angles and where he can be and what he can do with his arm it has definitely grown in that confidence. And um, um, yeah. And you're a Pac-12 kid. USC is out there looking for a new head coach. Reports, the, all kinds of names are being thrown around there. You know, James Franklin at Penn State. You look at Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Baylor's Dave Arenda is a name that's thrown out there as well, defensive-minded coach. You know, from your time in the Pac-10, and I'm sure watching the Pac-12 today, do you think the Trojans need to go more with an offensive mind or a defensive mind to bring them back to relevancy in, in today's college football, where it's a run-and-shoot, fun-and-gun offense, spread offenses, taking the country by storm these days. Well, yeah, you definitely brought it up. Uh, yeah, Pac-10, that's how old I am. I don't even know what the Pac-12 <laughs> Pac is. I don't, I don't know. I don't know those other two teams. It's like the old Big Ten that are now 14 right. teams. Right, <laughs> right. But at least, at least you know, we, we were smart enough to change our number. Right. <laughs> 10, right, to represent, you know. But that's that Cal education. That was probably Cal-led. So we can't be called Pac-10 and have 12 teams. But – um. You know, I really don't know, and I really don't care. The Trojans can suck for all I care. You know, I, hopefully we can get some of those recruits so Cal can become great again, because right now we are, are not. And I don't know, you know, and it, the college the college landscape has just shifted so drastically. You talk about NFL and what it looks like week to week. I mean, the college landscape in itself and who's beating who, you know, yeah. Iowa at number three for a couple of weeks. Just a it's team. all about momentum. You, you get a big win, the team falls off the next week. You yeah, play a tough loss, it bleeds into a second loss. It's, it's right. crazy. It's crazy, though, but you, it used to be a lot more consistency. I don't know what has caused it or, you know, the change. Um, I guess it's good if you have more teams that have the ability to win these games. But it almost feels like it's basketball in a sense where you don't have continuity, right? And you have, like, these one and does, but which isn't a reality – in, in college football, or maybe it's the portal. I don't know, but the consistency the week to week to have a team be dominant and then lose to a team that shouldn't be on the field with them. is just, it's just crazy in my mind. But as far as SC, uh, you know, I, I play with a lot of SC guys um, throughout my career. So I, I love them personally, but I, I could really care less as far as who they bring in as a head coach. No, I got you. Uh, the, the rival, you, you can't be helping them out, right? But, you know, before I let you get yeah. out of here, I really want to pick your brain about one last thing, and that's, you know, is there a defensive coordinator in the NFL right now, either that you've played for, you have a connection with, you know a guy who's kind of risen through the ranks during your career? Is there somebody that you think during this next hiring process this offseason, A, deserves a shot, and B, is yeah. most likely to get that shot as a head coach? Well, let me say this. I mean, I appreciate the softball you just lobbed up for me to hit out the park, right? Because you already know my guy, Leslie Frazier, yeah. who's been a head coach in Minnesota, deserves an, another opportunity to learn and grow from that time in Minnesota. Absolutely. Be a head coach again. I mean, he's been uh, part of a top five defense or maybe three out of the five years he's been there. We've been on the verge of top 10 uh, every single year. Um, and he's been a, a, one of the main components of allowing Sean McDermott to grow as a head coach, right? Being able to lean on that experience that he's experienced. He's been in a new environment and has learned so much. And so I think he's a guy that is not only uh, capable from a defensive standpoint, his knowledge of the game, having played the game, you know, with the Bears back in the 80s, um, but as a human being, um, being able to develop a culture 
and men uh, that's going to go out there and represent the organization, the community that they are playing for each and every single week. There, there, there's no better guy. And so um, he definitely deserves his earned um, uh, uh, definitely on, on a second chance at being the head coach. And hopefully he gets that at least have the opportunity to interview. I don't even know if he interviewed last year, which was, you know, just crazy in my mind in itself, not to give a man like that the opportunity to showcase what he can offer your organization. And coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree, you look at all of his, his coordinators and assistants have gone on to have so much success. I don't know why Leslie Frazier wouldn't get that second shot at that second job to, to follow in those footsteps. Yeah, who, who knows? But I know that uh, Frazier is, is a Christian. He's a God-fearing man, and he has looked at it all as uh, the process of preparing him for that next opportunity. Um, not bitter at all, even though he understands that he's he's earned that right. Um, so I think he's looking forward to to be able to to take the right job too. Right? Uh, you know, you have all these jobs, and if you go to the wrong or, organization, um, that's not structured properly top down i mean you could be a head coach one year and be gone the next right we've seen that countless times even like with a steve wilkes out here in arizona so todd bowles, I know he wants, todd bowles right so i know he wants to be selective um and making sure that he goes into the right place and maybe I, I know he's seen it as okay the right jobs weren't even available for me to take because they weren't structured for me to have success especially you got to have it pretty quickly in today's NFL, unless you have an ownership group that, that really understands what it means to change culture and develop a winning organization. Lorenzo, this has been fantastic, really insightful. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to talk about your foundation. What do you have going on? How can people find out? How can people help? Yeah, you know, we've been serving communities uh, since 2008, mainly Oakland, where I grew up, California. And then I've taken it across the country in the different markets that I've played in, Washington, Buffalo, here in Phoenix. Um, and have really developed and maintained relationships with community um, advocates um, uh, across the country. And so we're constantly serving. Uh, we have um, Christmas coming up. So here in South Phoenix, we'll be serving a group of seniors that are caregivers for their grandchildren, as well as a group of, uh, of kids in Buffalo. Um, just trying to provide Christmas, um, Thanksgiving, um, and just really trying to help uh, You know, people have hope um, and, and really be able to enjoy these times and not because, you know, obviously the pandemic, just generally speaking, people struggle, right? But the pandemic is putting additional strain on them. And so if anybody um, is open and willing to, to donate and share time, money, we'd be very grateful. You can go to LorenzoAlexander.org uh, to donate and get more involved. We do have other programming as well, but I think that's the most uh, immediate need that we need as an organization to help serve uh, members of our community that have a great ability, just need a little bit of help um, uh, along the way. Certainly be checking that out as soon as we finish up this phone call. Lorenzo Alexander, tremendous insight. Make sure you check out LorenzoAlexander.org. Follow him on Twitter at OneManGang97. Lorenzo, appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you further up the road, my friend. All right, brother, man. Appreciate you. Really enjoyed the conversation and insight there from Lorenzo Alexander. Make sure you check out LorenzoAlexander.org and all of the great work that his foundation is doing in the community. And, you know, you talk about Leslie Frazier, and he's a guy that I think is in that mix to be a hot commodity and a top name during the hiring cycle coming up this offseason. He's in there with guys like Todd Bowles, who should have been in the conversation and a front runner for jobs last year. Patrick Graham, the Giants defensive coordinator, a rising star among NFL executives and general managers that I talked to, someone who's certainly going 
to be interviewed and certainly have the opportunity to be in the mix for jobs. But you look at Leslie Frazier. I spoke to an NFL executive on Thursday. He said he's a damn good defensive coordinator. It just comes down to whether or not players in today's generation will take advantage of him because he's such a great personality and somebody you love to be around. But here's a guy who won a Super Bowl as a player, won a Super Bowl as a coach. And yes, he had the opportunity for two and a half seasons in Minnesota. But other than that, he's only shown you at every stop of the way, whether it was in Tampa Bay, whether it was as the secondary coach for the Ravens, whether it was being an assistant head coach alongside Sean McDermott and the defensive coordinator up there in Buffalo, where, of course, he crossed paths with Lorenzo Alexander. He's shown that he can run a program. He's shown that he can be a dominant defensive mind. And like we talked about, the guys like Bill Belichick, like McDermott, like Tomlin, these defensive gurus, when they're given the opportunity, they can develop into elite head coaches in their own right. So certainly Leslie Frazier is a name to watch. And when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, that's a team that needs to find an identity because you can't go down to Jacksonville and be held without an offensive touchdown when you have Josh Allen, who for the first five or six weeks of the season looked like not only the best quarterback, but the MVP in the league. They're battle tested for sure. Not many teams know what it's like to go to an AFC championship game, let alone put it to the Kansas City Chiefs and be in the mix in the third quarter in Arrowhead Stadium. They have the experience. They have the head coach. They have the quarterback. They have the pieces on defense in place. I kind of agree with Lorenzo. When the weather starts to change in Buffalo, when you can't necessarily air it out 25, 35 times a game, you're going to have to run the ball, whether that's with Zachary Moss or Devin Singletary. They haven't been able to do that well enough. But if they can run the ball and keep up what they've been doing on defense, they'll be in the mix. And speaking of being in the mix, I don't know who's the team to beat right now in the AFC. I don't know that the AFC is all that great. People say it's wide open. I think it stinks on ice. We'll talk about that and the biggest games of this upcoming weekend on the other side, right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside Fanside at Stacking the Box Podcast Feed. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back in. Just great stuff there with Lorenzo Alexander. Really enjoy having the opportunity to pick a guy like his brain who has been between the hash marks in the trenches, understands what it takes to win in the NFL, and he can offer a really unique perspective about what it's like to play for a guy like Sean McDermott, who's right in the thick of the AFC playoff race. And we spent a lot of time in the first part of this podcast talking about the dominance of the NFC. And I still believe, after Thursday night's game between the Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons, that the balance of power is really weighted pretty significantly this year in the NFC's favor. I think you have, as we talked about, four or five teams that can make legitimate runs at the Super Bowl. But the more I watch the AFC the more I just wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Baltimore Ravens gets hot with Lamar Jackson and makes a run to the AFC title game or the Super Bowl, 
or if they lose in the first round. I look at the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that a month ago was the team to beat the number one seed in the AFC. They've just completely collapsed. They've lost to the Jets. They've lost to the Browns. And they're really searching for an identity coming off the bye week and entering this stretch run. The Kansas City Chiefs are another team that seems like they're getting hot at the right moment. We talked about it earlier. I wrote about it in my column, the fact that Andy Reid is so dominant in the month of November. The fact that Patrick Mahomes is 17-3 and all time against the AFC West. They now have four games remaining in the month of November and December against AFC West competition. And their defense is peaking at the right time. But even the Kansas City Chiefs, for all of the weapons, all of the firepower on offense, would it really surprise you if they went to Baltimore and lost? Or if they had to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs and go to Buffalo in the divisional round against the Bills, a team that would have revenge on their mind, a team that went into Arrowhead and punched them in the mouth earlier this season, kind of removing the mystique of what it takes to play the Kansas City Chiefs, understanding now what it takes to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But the one team that I think is really starting to come together, the one team that I wouldn't bet against, the head coach that I'm going to trust more than really any other in January in the postseason is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And I know on Thursday night playing against an Atlanta Falcons team and an offense who's could really set the NFL back 50 years when you look at just how inept and rudderless that offense is. Even though Matt Ryan has played really well over the last couple weeks, I just don't get the sense they have much of an identity. They don't really know what they want to be. They can't really run the ball without Cordell Patterson, who was out on Thursday night. They struggle mightily to get the ball to Kyle Pitts. And when you take Calvin Ridley out of the equation, who is really their best deep threat, there's just not a lot of talent around Matt Ryan on offense. And they have some defensive playmakers. You saw A.J. Terrell make a really great pick off of Mac Jones. But watching Mac Jones on Thursday night, I thought he was poised from the pocket. He was efficient. He had the one interception, but really didn't make any other big mistakes. And in the first half, he was 14 of 15. Only one ball hit the ground. I look at the Patriots right now and what they've done over the last month and the opportunity they have in front of them, both getting Buffalo twice. They haven't played the Bills yet. They get them twice. So those are two big tests. But I think they're playing their best football at the right time of year. You look at the last three weeks and they've held each of the last three opponents to seven points or fewer. They've done it four times this year. They have playmakers, whether it's Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy, the McCourty brothers in the secondary. They have dynamic playmakers who are game changers at all three levels of that defense. Mac Jones is really coming along, but the story of that defense on Thursday night was four sacks and two second half interceptions. They make big plays in big spots. They're battle-tested. They have a head coach who understands what it takes to win in the postseason. And I look at Mac Jones, 22 of 26, 207 yards, one touchdown, one interception against Atlanta. I couldn't be more impressed by what I've seen from Mac Jones. I think that overall, when you look at these rookie quarterbacks this year, these first-round picks, obviously Trevor Lawrence has a lot of growing to do, but he has maybe the most potential of anyone. I look at Justin Fields. He's getting better every week. But if there's a quarterback who I trust the most from this draft class or even last year's draft class to make a run, it's Mac Jones. 
He's efficient. They've built an offense that allows him to rely on guys like Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry and a speedster underneath like Nelson Aguilar where you get the ball out quickly into these playmakers' hands with a pair of dominant tight ends. You can really move the ball pretty efficiently down the field, and that's been the name of the game for that offense. And they're starting to really run the ball well, both with Harris and with Stevenson. They can pound the rock in New England, and the teams that run the ball well late in the year play great defense late in the year. They're the teams that you have to look out for, and that's why if I were in the AFC, I'd be worried about the New England, the New England Patriots, and I think the Patriots might have the best chance of anybody right now to make a run at a Super Bowl. And, you know, the Thursday night game was kind of a clunker, but we had a great weekend of games on tap. I mean, you look at the game of the weekend. We touched on it earlier. Dallas and the Chiefs. You're going to find out a lot about both of those teams. Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes might be the two best quarterbacks this year. They certainly are two of the most prolific offenses in the league. That's a game that I can't wait to watch. And another game that I'm going to be zeroed in on that I think is sneaky good and sneaky important on the AFC side is the Raiders-Bengals game. How do the Bengals respond to the last month? Is this the week that Joe Burrow turns it around, gets back on the same page with Jamar Chase, that this defense finds its teeth again after what Baker Mayfield and the Browns did a couple weeks ago in Cincinnati? And can the Raiders find any sort of answer? I know that no franchise in the NFL has faced what they've had to face over the last two months, whether it's John Gruden, whether it's the tragedy involving Henry Ruggs. I don't know that there's a team that's had to overcome more, but I don't know that they're built to withstand all of that and the schedule and start to beat playoff caliber teams. They lost on the road to the Giants, and last week... Kansas City started to look like the Chiefs again when they couldn't generate any pressure the Raiders couldn't on Patrick Mahomes and couldn't do anything defensively. If you don't pressure and blitz and knock Joe Burrow off his spot, I don't think they're going to have much luck against Cincinnati. So I kind of like the Bengals in that game. And then the Monday night game, Chargers and Steelers. Justin Herbert has to get right. Justin Herbert has not been the same quarterback over the last three weeks. And this is a must-win game for the Chargers. Just as the Chiefs are heating up, this is a game against a Steelers team that last week couldn't move the football without Ben Roethlisberger, tied the Detroit Lions at home. If you're the Chargers and you want to be taken seriously, this is a game you have to win. So it's going to be another great weekend of games. I think we're going to learn a lot about some of the teams at the top of both conferences. And I'm really looking forward to Dallas and Kansas City going to be glued to the TV for that one on Sunday afternoon. Thanks as always to Fanside. It's Cole Thompson. He is instrumental each and every week in producing this podcast, getting it up and running. Thanks to Lorenzo Alexander. Really enjoyed that conversation. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, all of your favorite podcast platforms to Stacking the Box, an NFL podcast to get Stacked in the Box on Tuesdays, the Matt Lombardo Show on Fridays. Leave those five-star reviews for Stacking the Box. Mention what you like about the Matt Lombardo Show, a guest you might be interested in hearing from, and I'll try to go and get them on, and those reviews certainly help grow the show. Go ahead, follow me on Twitter, at Matt Lombardo NFL. Enjoy the games, everybody. I'm Matt Lombardo. I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Talk to you then, and enjoy your Thanksgiving. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.